it's just having like hope for the future and I wake up every day and I try to just be like hopeful and that motivates you and like keeps you grounded because I've never been someone where the world is ending and everything's going bad from here on out and I think that if you are like that it's a lot harder to be motivated to like get up and do what you want to do that you're passionate about. Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them, aka a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board with fancy titles like editors and chiefs, founders and CEOs, to under-the-radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I want to get to the bottom of how they first discovered their passion how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. Today's episode is with Mimi Osland. Mimi is the founder of Free the Ocean, a website that gives anyone anywhere the opportunity to have a daily impact on the issue of plastic pollution. The way it works is simply by going to freetheocean.com and answering daily trivia questions. And just by doing that, you fund the removal of one piece of plastic from the ocean and coastlines. Free the Ocean works with Sustainable Coastlines Y, and together they have helped remove over 8.5 million pieces of plastic, and they have 30,000 unique daily visitors with people playing from over 160 countries. Mimi actually started her first passion project at age 12 with a very similar model to Free the Ocean, but her mission at the time was to feed animals, so she started a website called freekibble.com, and that went viral. She was featured on Ellen, Oprah, and the Today Show at the ripe age of 12. And she then went to college where she thought she wanted to pursue psychology, but instead was confronted with the harsh reality of what our oceans are facing and decided to change paths and create Free the Ocean with the goal of not only cleaning up our oceans, but really to work towards a hopeful future. On today's episode, we talk about Mimi's journey. She walks us through how she identified her need of creating and giving back, her first steps into creating Free the People. She gives us so many amazing insights into what is happening with our oceans today. And she also gives us easy takeaways that we can all implement into our daily lives to reduce plastic consumption and why paying attention to what moves you is the best indicator in figuring out your personal active ingredient. So with that, let's get into today's episode with Mimi Osland. Thank you so much for being on Active Ingredient. I'm so excited to have you on because you're someone that I feel like has identified your active ingredient at a very young age, even though it's evolved a little bit, but I'm just so excited to hear about your journey and thank you for being on. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I love this podcast and um, yeah, I think it should be fun. I'm so excited. So I always kick off the podcast asking what you were like as a kid that you remember and your whole childhood story of your first project is obviously huge. So I'm just curious to know what you remember of your childhood. And do you think that a lot of characteristics of like your 10 year old self are injected in what you're doing today? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I definitely think so. I think I'm uh, probably more childlike than a lot of people I know. I can just sometimes I feel like I'm 10 again. And 
I try to think of that as a positive thing because when I was younger, I had just so much curiosity and like just so much joy for what was going on. And, and, um, you know, you're not really seeing as much of the negativity or the noise or intake that we get now. And so it's like such a special time. And for me, I grew up around a lot of nature. And so that was always like very, where a lot of the curiosity came from and, exploring and like that connection to nature I think really stayed with me and has inspired like what I'm doing today so I like to think that that 10 year old is is still is still with me (laughs) and definitely comes out at times so I want to walk through kind of your career trajectory, which started out very, very young um, and what you thought you wanted to do. And I feel like normally when I have guests on the podcast, it's like their career trajectory starts after college, but you're someone who I feel like has been on this path since, I don't know, you were like 12 years old or something, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which is a while ago now. Um, yeah. So uh, I started a website to help feed homeless animals at age 12. So uh, I'm 24 now. And um, at the time, obviously, I didn't really see that as like career trajectory. You know, I just loved animals and I really wanted to help uh, the homeless animals at our local shelter because I always volunteered there with my parents. And my parents are um, entrepreneurs and uh, luckily were able to help me out with making like what I was saying I wanted to do into a reality. And yeah, so I had seen like this website, freerice.com, which was to help feed homeless people in Africa. And it was really such a cool concept. How did did you have access to that website? Like, how did you even come about that? Yeah, uh, my cousin, who was older than me, and or who is older than me, he uh, always was playing it. Like, every day he would go on, and he found it so fun, and there was all these trivia questions, and he's like, look, we're helping feed people. And I'm like, how does this work? You know, and I was just a kid, but I loved it. And so I'm like, well, I love animals, and why aren't people helping feed the animals, you know? And so I wanted to do a similar concept, but for what I loved, and I explained that to my parents and I was so into it. And so they kind of, I think at the time were just humoring me, you know, they're like, all right, like we'll help you out. Kind of like school project type of thing. And uh, then our community got super behind it and we actually started having a real impact and we were able to feed all the homeless animals at our local shelter. And we were donating pounds and pounds of doggy cat food from people just going to the site and answering a daily trivia question is dog or cat related and just kind of a fun way to be part of making a difference. Um, so it definitely turned into more of a career trajectory. Uh, but at the time I didn't, you know, think that it was. Can you walk us through exactly what that website, that first website was like? Like how how were you feeding the dogs? Like was it with an organization? Like was it through advertising dollars? Like what was it? And like how involved were you as a 12-year-old? Like how were your parents kind of like helping you navigate how to actually make the impact aside from the questions on the trivia, on the trivia site? Right. So how it works is similar now to how free the ocean works, but we can get into that in a little bit. But so uh, you went to the site, answered the daily trivia question, and then you, you received messaging that said, you've just donated 10 pieces of dog food. 
And how that worked is we had advertisers and sponsors on the site and they donated the dog food to local shelters and then nationally as we grew. But um, yeah, so it's just all advertisement funding. And then we eventually got one sponsor who took care of all the donations. And, you know, in return, it was messaging like brought to you by Halo Pet Food. And um, so it's just a way for like the people going to the site, it's free. But then for advertisers, they're also getting to be connected to something that's uh, good messaging for them. So um, I think that's really a win-win. And as a kid, I wasn't really involved in the the back end like I am today. But I was more just like kind of just the face of it, really, like just so passionate about it. And I was like going to the shelters and communicating with our community and I think why it worked was it's so authentic. You know, I was 13, 14, 15, and I just actually loved it. And right. I think people could tell, you know. Yeah, and I feel like the word authentic is thrown around all the time now. But I feel like at the time, like you're 24 now when you were 12 years old, like it wasn't that, it, I mean, it wasn't a thing at all. So like to see a young, right. a young girl have that level of conviction and like go after it. And by the way, like when I was doing research to do this podcast, like you were on Ellen, like you were on major shows Mm -hmm. as a 12 year old talking to very influential people about your passion project. That must've been a massive boost of like confidence and just really knowing that whatever you wanted to set yourself to do, you could, you could do. So I'm curious to know, like from the age of 12 to when you were deciding what you wanted to be, like how much of an impact did that first sight have on what you wanted to do in your next step yeah I mean it it definitely did but I don't think I realized it until the last couple of years like I ended up I went to University of Oregon studied psychology and fully thought I would be a therapist and I discovered like senior year of college I actually um transferred and finished online and I moved to California and it was all all sorts of different reasons were behind that but mainly I was just sitting in class one day and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this. And I was doing it just because um, I had decided to, and I thought that that sounded like a more solid career path and trying to do my own business or um, make something work that was different. And luckily I have very supportive parents that have done different things their whole lives. So they were accepting of that. I think it would have been a lot harder if I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take a break, come back to classes and figure it out. And, but they trusted me and, you know, and were fully supportive of that, which was awesome. Um, and then moved to San Diego and really took a hard look at like what I wanted to do. And that was create something. And I wanted to go back to feeling like I was making a difference. And this is when, you know, plastic pollution and these climate issues were just becoming like we were just becoming aware of them like they've been happening for what years, year was years this? but this was like three years ago so 20 2017 okay and um I was still taking classes and hadn't thought of free the ocean but just was trying to kind of figure it out and really knew whatever it was that I was doing I wanted to be like behind it, like creating it and then also doing something that was giving back. So those two things uh, and the experience of that first site, knowing like what a positive response we got from that and building a community of people that shared something in common 
which is wanting to make a difference. Like I love that. And that's so rare now, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like so many things are so divided. I'm like, okay, I want to try to, you know, combine those aspects and kind of what led me here. What were like the tangible things that you did at the start when you were kind of transitioning out of going the the psychology route um, and putting those ideas? I think that those are really valuable things, knowing that you wanted to create and that you wanted to give back. Those are really two strong pillars that you can kind of build off of. But like, what were those first steps on identifying that it was going to be this? And yeah, like if someone's listening, that's like, okay, well, those two pillars sound right to me too. Like, what are some some tangible things that someone can go and put pen to paper and go for it. Yeah, that's the, that's the trickier part, right? I yeah. Mean, and actually I'm kind of torn because I feel like the trickier part is also realizing like what do you want to do and like where your passion is and then how to actually make that happen. But for me, um, I was, you know, lucky in the fact that we had that experience with the other site and we had a community that was still really behind it. And I was able to look at that and see what they really liked about it and then see if that could work for what I was passionate about, which is plastic pollution in the environment. And um, then we got just a lot of advice and help and feedback from different companies that we've worked with in the past. And company Greater Good actually um, acquired like Free Kibble years ago. And I talked to them a lot. And I said, okay, like, is this something you guys would be interested in partnering with us on and investing in? And because reality is it, you know, takes money and time mm-hmm. to like build something new. And so um, that was like the main first step and, you know, kind of reevaluating how can we make this like relevant for a new audience and where we're at right now. Like the old site, it was created in 2008, right? right. So like the technology from then to now has just changed so much. And um so that whole side of it, like, how do you design a site? You know, I didn't know these things. So right. it was finding small teams. And we were still a super small team, but finding people that are as passionate about it as yourself, that's huge, I think. Mm-hmm. And being able to get honest feedback from people that can help you. And then um, just kind of taking a step at a time and making it work. So was there like one thing that happened or that you read or maybe a documentary you watch or something that was kind of like the first, re- like the first kind of awakening in this being what you wanted to dedicate your life to? Was it like a, a combination of things or was there anything that was like, okay, I, I can't, I can't not focus on anything but this now? Yeah, I would say I saw um, Plastic Solution for the first time in San Diego, but you don't really see it there very often as far as I'm aware. Like the coastlines are usually pretty clean. And so we went to this one beach and I had a lot of friends that were big surfers. So I was more connected to the ocean just naturally by living there because I was going and being in the ocean like almost every day. And so we stumbled upon like this one beach had so much plastic debris washed in. And it was the first time I'd actually ever seen it like firsthand. And I just started kind of like reading about it and knowing that it was a problem. And, um, but then seeing it, I was like, oh my, oh my God, like this is not okay. What is, what is going on? And we tried to clean it up and, you know, and I'm like, is this like, I honestly didn't know like my, how widespread is this? Is this happening in a lot of different places? Like, and then once you start just that little bit of awareness, you know, you realize like, 
oh my God, there's so much to ed- educate yourself on, but also the problem is bigger than we can even like wrap our heads around, you know? That's and instead of, overwhelming part, yeah. It's so overwhelming. But instead of like letting that totally overwhelm you, which it still does for me some days. And for most like, people. Right. That, but for me, I'm like, okay, you know what? Like I wanted, this is what I want to try to do. Like I wanted to try to have an impact on this. And uh, that was really kind of like the catalyst. So how did you approach investors or how did you approach advertisers at the time? Like, did you have a deck? Like how, what, what was your thought? Did you have like a five-year plan? Did you want it to be very similar to that original website? Like what were you thinking of in terms of how technology was moving and what you were going to need in order to make it successful? Yes. We first met with, um, someone that runs greater good. And this man has known our family and me for years since free kibble and, um, so he trusts us, but he's also not someone to like mess around. Like he'll be very honest with you, you know, and I pitched it to him and I told him like, well, I really see this as is something for a younger audience as well. Like this is an issue and like things, times are changing here and people are going to start buying differently, buying more mm-hmm. sustainably and wanting to, wanting to help and becoming so aware of these issues. And he didn't totally like believe it because he's also coming from an older generation and right. No, so for him, it's like, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to care. Like, I'm not sure, you know, because uh, our other site was an older audience. And he's like, I think that's what you have to focus on. And it was basically a situation where I'm like, okay, like, let me try to like prove you wrong. You know, like, take a chance. You know me, like, let's just try and figure it out, you know? And all, and he, and I told him, like, you don't have to do any of the work. We just want you behind this and your support. And he ended up investing in it, which was how we were able to create free lotion. And um, that's been very motivating for me as well. It's just showing him like people do care about this, you yeah. know, and now he's come around to realizing that. And um, I have a question just, about the investment. Like how did yeah. you know how much you needed to raise to start it? So we wanted to keep it and we're still keeping it super lean and we don't have like, I haven't hired really anyone else. We have a team of like four people right now, like five people. And I knew that that's how we wanted it because then you just mean less funding in the beginning. And really um, it's just kind of breaking down the big costs, you know, like the big thing for us, for us, we're like designing the site. The site's different than a lot of, sites and the fact that like you have to have the technology that a click triggers messaging and people can track their stats like there's a lot of layers behind that and that we knew was going to be our biggest cost and we wanted to have a distribution center because we sell plastic free products and sustainable products and that was a big cost and there's certain things that we were able to outline and be like have an idea of how much it would cost and um and then decided to keep it lean and once we start you know continuing to make more money, then you're able to expand more. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it was, it was definitely a learning experience for me because I'm not super mathematical. Like numbers have never been something I'm passionate about, but when you're passionate about the business you're creating, you have to be right. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I need to know this, you know? And now it's kind of like a fun challenge. It's like, wow, we're, you know, And as we're growing, it's amazing because we're able to be a little more flexible and get more help. And, um, but I think there's really something cool at starting at a point where it's like, this is what you have to work with. Let's see what we can do, you know? And then, uh, 
it's just having to be, um, having to be really on top of it. So you guys partnered with an organization. Was that how you guys launched Free the Ocean? Yes. Yeah. So we launched Free the Ocean through Free Kibble and through Greater Good. Those combined audiences were really enough to give us a base audience of like daily visitors. And then through different partnerships, we've grown it and um, we get like 35,000 unique daily visitors now, which is awesome. And it's like, I'm really happy with that and continue to grow it, but are excited to continue to grow it. Um, but without that base audience, it definitely would have been harder. So for me, I also recognize that for a lot of people, if you don't have something like that, it's harder to grow it from zero to something, right? right? So um, that was definitely a, a plus to have that. Yeah. But my question is more so that when when people go and do the daily trivia, and the advertising, like the, the whole point is that the advertisers are paying because of the 35,000 users that you have on the site. Right. So mm-hmm. how does, how does that money then go back to actually cleaning the oceans? And, um, yeah. And like how I, I know at the top of the website, it says how many uh, pieces of plastic that you guys have, have picked up. Like, how do you guys figure out that algorithm, you know? Right. So to start with, we have a third-party ad network, and that's what we launched with. And that you can just, you know, that doesn't take, um, like, partnership building. You can mm-hmm. just install, like, a third-party ad network. And we decided 100% of that funding goes to our cause partner. That's Sustainable Coastlines Why. They're a super amazing nonprofit based out of Oahu. We had established a relationship with them months before launching Free Lotion. And decided that they would be the ones to actually be removing the plastic and receiving our funding. And that was a big part of the process, right? Because it's like, we need a group that's authentically doing this and that is on the same page as us. And is yeah. going to use the funding for removing plastic. And did, you guys, like, did you guys vet a few different organizations to, to work with? And like, did you meet with the team firsthand to see exactly how it is that they're going to be using the money? Like, how, how does that work? Yeah, we definitely did. We did a lot of research and I met with a couple of different organizations and a lot of people in the space are doing amazing work, but we needed specifically someone that was going to be able to actively be removing plastic from ocean and coastlines and a team that like just was already very established. And their nonprofit has been around for years and they have a really credible history. So that was a good sign. And then we went, I actually went to Hawaii and I met with them and we got along super well and it's just a great connection like for a uh, work partnership. And then that was like, okay, so this is going to work, you know, yeah. like that, that was a great feeling because you, we needed that. So, um, yeah, so we had the third party ad network and now we have sponsors like a monthly, um, trivia sponsor. And that's cool. Cause again, it gives them credibility as well. Mm-hmm. And like we can align with these brands that are, um, have a similar mission as us. And yeah. a similar goal, and that's that's a very cool part of it. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to know from your perspective. I don't know how like deep we've gone into this, like with the whole pandemic and kind of the conversations of how this like great pause has really helped um, with the environment and just kind of like in the sustainability movement, is there anything that you've been seeing or reading or resources or people that are in the space that are talking about how this has impacted the environment, um, for the long haul? 
Yeah, I think it's interesting because you have like, I feel like a couple of months into the pandemic now, you know, we're like seven, eight months into this, but mm-hmm. we started seeing signs of the environment responding to not having so much human activity, right? Like the air pollution and like the canals in Italy were clearing up and wild animals were coming out and right. going back to their habit, you know, like these weirdly positive things that show us that because we weren't able to be moving at the pace we're usually moving, the environment was responding positively. Right. But now you have all of a sudden on top of the pandemic, you have all these natural climate related disasters happening. You have the climate fires and you have drought and flood, you know, like all of these things that we're seeing at this moment where it's yeah. like, wow, 2020 is a horrible year. But in reality, it's like, this is just going to be our future if we don't get, you know, get it together. And right. Um, I think that that is what this whole thing is really showing us that it's like, we're so connected to the environment more than we realize. And at least for me, it's like, it's in want to be around nature more, you know, I think that that's been kind of like, everyone has been shifting in that aside from the fact that there's been like mass exodus from major cities, like New York, for example, literally everyone's leaving or not everyone, but there's been a a definite, (laughs) a definite notable exodus and going to places like Colorado, LA, whatever. Um, I feel like it's just like a, every single person's on the same page that there, there has been a lack of a connection to nature. And this whole thing has really awakened us to that. And I think that like the more people are in nature and the more people are seeing plastic in their hikes or in their walks on the beach, like, I feel like that'll help also in having people just be more respectful with, with the environment on their own, like micro level, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And it's just, it's so important to be able to get around nature. And, you know, when we're not doing everything we're doing in our normal lives, like, yeah. go, go, go. When that stops, it's like, you want to be more connected. And I think that's 100%. what people are realizing. Yeah. So um, back to Free the Ocean. So you have the website. You're, are, are you considered Gen Z or are you millennial? Oh, I, gosh, I think I feel like you're on the cusp. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're still millennial, but you're on the cusp, but the trajectory obviously is Gen Z, TikTok reels, like all that stuff. And like right now Mm -hmm. you're on the website, you're on a.com. What are your thoughts on getting more eyeballs onto free the ocean and how you're planning on kind of getting these trivia questions in like a different vehicle? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we're actually just starting to really explore those opportunities now. This first year, so we launched last August. So it's been a little over a year. And we're like, that was our year to just build the base, right? And get the audience and like, know if it was something people are responding to well. Now that we know that, it's like, all right, now let's really focus on expansion. And for me, it's like TikTok and well, just a lot of the social media side of things can mm-hmm. totally overwhelm me sometimes. Like yeah. I do it and I'm, you know, I'm into it, but I, it definitely overwhelms me. And I think a lot of it isn't very authentic for me. So it's kind of figuring out like, okay, how do we do this in a way that is stays true to us, but also yeah. grows the company. And um, we're working on some partnerships with younger people, which I think is going to be a really great thing for us because they're able to kind of put it into their own words and share it on those platforms that I'm not Mm -hmm. super educated on, but they are. And so we're kind of working with some people right now on 
hopefully launched in more of that starting in January. And so we're, I'm, I'm really excited to see, see how that goes. But um, yeah, it's a big difference in like just those couple of years, like yeah. where they're at with technology and even like where I'm not, you know? Yeah. No, but I think that that's a, a really good takeaway for someone, like, especially because like the direct to consumer boom has, has definitely expedited during the pandemic. And like the dot com is definitely the base. Like, you need to have that super, super strong. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be really cool to see how you evolve, how you evolve this, especially since it's so advertising heavy. Um, advertisers are literally just dumping their money on, on the socials. So, um, so it'll be really cool to see. I want to go back to the website really quick though. Um, just cause I, I know the answer, but I'd love for you to talk about it. How many pieces of plastic have you guys picked up to date and what is your goal? What is your like end goal with free the ocean and how many pieces of plastic are you going to be like, okay, I feel like we're in a good, in a good, in a good space. I mean, so we've removed over 9.6 million, which is awesome. And like kind of a crazy number for the first year. And uh, that's I'm wild. Very, very excited about that. Yeah, it's a lot. But I think like more than a number that will kind of be like, all right, this is, you know, we've done a lot. It's more just uh, continuing to build different partnerships. Like right now we're working with the same old co-signs and removing this plastic and creating awareness through the site. And that's a big part of the mission for me, but working to get like it going full circle. So mm-hmm. the plastic we remove is then turned into different products and, you know, can, like the brim of a hat or like dog toys or whatever it is. And then we sell those products on our online store. So for me, that's like the main goal. Cause I think that would be so cool to just be able to say like, Hey, this plastic that we're removing is now on these products that you can then purchase and use, That's you know, so smart. over and over again. I, I feel mean, like I there, that, that would be awesome. Yeah. I feel like there's a need. I, I work with a lot of brands and like, there is an intention for them to move into the sustainability space. Like people want to, but they don't necessarily know how to. And I feel like it would be a really interesting kind of route for you guys. If you are taking inventory of how many things it is that you guys are actually picking up, where are the majorities and then offering a solution to those brands? Like maybe, yeah, you can have your own and sell it on your site, but like also like have a value proposition of offering solutions to brands that are the ones that are, you know, their products are the ones that are polluting our waters and say, this is an, a better alternative for this exact product, you know? It would be so awesome. And, you know, the more that the awareness grows and the more people are passionate about this issue, these brands are listening and they know that eventually, you know, they're going to have to change. Right. Mm-hmm. And right now, so much of this is very costly and time consuming to figure out like the process of because yeah. plastic is not a material that was meant to be reused over and over again. Right. It has like a life cycle of like being reused twice or something like before it starts to not be very valuable. Yeah. So it's, like a process that people are figuring out and solutions are happening, but it's slower. So like what I can't wait for is the day where it's like, this is just like, that's what we do. Like these big brands are using recycled plastic. Yeah. The more and more I'm talking to people in the industry, it's like, if you are creating anything now, like that is just baseline. And it's, it's interesting because in countries like, I don't know, like in Copenhagen or, you know, countries that are like innately, sustainable, that's their baseline. And they're not even marketing themselves as a sustainable brand. They're just, they are sustainable by way of the, how they produce, you know? 
So I'm hoping that like that shifts in the US too. But I, I do think that there is an awareness for existing brands to shift slowly. Um, it's also like a huge, there's a huge learning curve. Like a lot of people don't even know how to approach manufacturers to make it, you know, um, to make it more sustainable. But I, I do think that like for people that are listening, that are thinking of creating things or bringing anything into the world, like creating anything is, is already something that could be deemed non-sustainable. But if you are going to create your baseline has to have that in the middle of your, of your ethos. Yeah, no, I completely agree though. I think that it's just silly for businesses to not incorporate that. And I think the pushback would be greater than the benefits that they get from doing something a cheaper way then like taking the time to figure it out, spend the cost to make sustainable changes and then get the benefits of it because people will just be way more likely to support brands like that going forward. Amazing. Can you give us like some insights into what type of questions are on the site? Okay. So yeah, we have a really a variety of questions. So there's a daily trivia question. They're all ocean related. So whether that's for like marine animals, pop culture, to plastic pollution, to different brands in the space, um, we try to keep them interesting and obviously good content. And a lot of them link over, like once you answer a question, there's a link that takes you to more info or photos or the brand that we're featuring or whatever it is. So just do kind of a click for more, like just give you more um, on that question. And yeah, they, I, I'm usually the one that writes all this. So it's really? like an interesting process. Yeah, it's kind of like you think it would just be easy to come up with these, but it's pretty like challenging and to make sure that it's, you know, factual information that everything's accurate and that it gets people's attention and makes them want to, you know, come back. And so I, I feel like I've gotten a good hold on it now. But um, So it's one question yeah. every day. One question every day. Can you give so us luckily, what, what's the question today? What is the question today? Or what was it oh, yesterday? I should know it. Um, <laughs> okay, here's the question. <laughs> Sometimes I do something where I just write a lot of them in one sitting and schedule all of them. Um, yeah. Okay. Today is due to their large size and gentle nature, manatees have earned what nickname? And then you have your four answer options. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's like Hobbit of the Sea. Sea cow, Godzilla, or Hagrid? Sea cow. It is sea cow, yes. There are a lot of manatees in in Miami. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I read that research question. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then it gives you a little answer, and this one's a picture. Um, And so really, it's like some questions you're going to find more interesting than others, or educational, or fun, but... um, the overall idea is just to give people something positive for the 30 seconds that they're on the site, Yeah, you know, just kind of not be super heavy with issue when you're on through the ocean, but just something fun, a little bright spot in your day. You can feel good knowing you're helping make a difference and then, you know, move on and come back tomorrow and just keep it very light is really what it. we're trying to do. I love it. What what is your goal for like the next five years with with Free the Ocean? What do you what's your vision and what what direction do you see it's gonna go in? Or do you think it's gonna go in? Definitely just continuing to build it. I really want to do that full circle thing where then we're using the plastic we're removing to help companies create these new products and to be able to visually show that in storytelling mm-hmm. and 
get like a video of different people around from our community around the world that you know we have people playing to like 160 countries so you know show our community and then show the impact we're having and that kind of uh down the line how that works um and then also continue to build the online store because i think what's great about that is it gives people a way to keep it out too so we just sell a lot of plastic alternatives sustainable products and those are obviously like becoming a lot more popular but also help people like that want to do more make behavioral changes in our own life that that contributing yeah. to a solution. So smart. What are like the top three things that you guys see picking up on ocean, on ocean lines? Mm. So this year, the number one item like picked up from um, like the ocean conservancy does a report each year about like the number one item picked up. And this is what we were seeing too. And it's uh, food wrappers, plastic food wrappers, which for the first year beat out like cigarettes. And that's one of the top ones as well. But cigarettes, food wrappers, cutlery, and straws are like the ones that are just super, unfortunately, um, popular is not the right word, but, super, you know, just so common on beaches. And um, it's like 400 million, I think that was the number of plastic food wrappers found in like this year alone. And that is wild. Yeah, the cigarette thing is um, surprising. It is. Yeah, and you see it even, like, I live in uh, Venice in California, and just going down to the beach there, it's just, you see a lot of cigarette butts, which is unfortunate. That's so crazy. So for the person listening, like, obviously, like, as we said, the sustainability space is extremely overwhelming, and, like, especially, like, picking up things on beaches and doing things like that seem like like when you think about doing something sustainable for the ocean, that's where your mind goes. But I want to know from your, from your insights, like, and something that's an easy, tangible way for someone to incorporate it into their lives. What are maybe like a few things that people can take home from this conversation and actually implement into their lives? That's not super daunting. It's not like you have to go to the beach every Saturday and spend three hours picking up things from, you know, like something that's actually, we can, we can do it starting today. Right. Um, Okay. Well, my first thing that I always think of, and this may not be a today thing, but composting, if you're able to do that, is, and this isn't even necessarily directed at plastic, but just waste and sustainability in general. I just recently, last year, started composting in my apartment in LA, and game changer. I mean, you can, like, the amount of waste that then you are saving from ending up in landfills just, like, decreases exponentially and it also how does that work aware. exactly like it yeah. walks through an exact compost day so we have like a little stainless steel it's really cute it's a little container and it sits on your kitchen counter and that's for like kitchen scraps and vegetable like even like you can plant like nail clippings in there cardboard and then you take that out if you have like even a little backyard area or even if you don't, you could do this like in a different room because there's some that just don't smell at all. We mm-hmm. got one that just you literally wouldn't know that there's compost in there. And the big black like rolling compost um, storage container. So you pour in your kitchen scraps. You mix that with like a little bit of dirt or leaves or you can buy a compost starter. Then all you do is you just turn that, the bin that the compost is in a couple of times like every two days, every two to three days. And 
it literally creates um, it creates fertilizer or not fertilizer, but dirt. <laughs> I mean, that's and all you can just put do. that in your in your garden or in your backyard or wherever. Exactly. Yeah, and I was very hesitant before starting it because it seemed like such a big undertaking, and um, the key is getting the right mix of like brown and green, you know, it's so, like right. cardboard, like vegetables, or you know, getting a good mix of that and. We haven't had any issues with like bugs or anything, um, and it's really cool to watch it happen. And then you, you need to send. I want to put in the show notes like a link to something that you think is a good starter compost. So if you can definitely. send me that, I definitely I want to give yeah. people like an actual like takeaway from this. Oh no, definitely. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, so one. composting is yeah. one. Compost is one. Second one is to just take a bag and put all the plastic that you use in a week in that bag. So just see what you use throughout the week and where the problem areas are. We did that like when I moved into my new apartment and I still had some things where I was like, God, where's the alternative for this? And um, that just gives you a really good idea of like how much plastic you're using and where are the steps that you can start cutting down on it. Um, And that also just ties into kind of taking a like slow down approach when you grocery shop. So Mm -hmm. instead of like just grabbing like what you usually grab, like a Trader Joe's, if you're grabbing, you know, the plastic berries or, you know, frozen food that comes in plastic, like unconsciously, like taking a step back and be like, what could I get instead of this? Or where could I get it? And it definitely takes a bit more effort, but it's reprogramming your brain and like what you've done your whole life. Exactly. (laughs) It takes a second. Exactly. It takes a second. And it's starting with like one thing instead of being like, I'm going to call my groceries. It's like, yeah, that's that's a really good takeaway. It's like, okay, for your fruit, which like when I buy my mixed fruit at Whole Foods, it comes in a little plastic thing. It's like, you could get it at your farmer's market that comes in that little cardboard, no plastic on top situation. So it's like identifying one thing that you're going to be sustainable about and just be like consistent with that one thing. And then your, your brain, I guess your neural pathways will start changing. I hope. (laughs) No, seriously. That's, I think that's how it works. And it gives you like, if you're able to do one thing mentally, you're like, Oh, I did it. I can do the next thing. You know, yeah. it's not like a step back where you're like, I can't do all this at once. And so I think that's really important. Um, and then one more thing, just like switch out something in your bathroom. Like if it's a bamboo toothbrush, you know, use that instead of a plastic toothbrush. If you just get like one product that replaces something that's plastic or not as good for you or the planet, that's a great place to start. And again, it's just like that one change and then it leads to more, you know? Um, So I think that those, it's just keeping that like motivation to keep trying to um, adapt and not get super overwhelmed. Such great takeaways. Thank you so much for that. So I want to know from everything that you're doing, what would you think, or what would you say is your deeper active ingredient? What is like, I mean, to me, it's super clear. It's like literally in the name of your company, but, um, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. When you wake up every morning and you're like, I'm going to do this, like, what is your deeper active ingredient? So I can see where you were going with that one. And but I would probably say, and it can come off sounding cheesy, but I really believe it. It's just having like hope for the future. And I think like I wake up every day and I try to just be like hopeful and that motivates you and like keeps you just like grounded because 
I've never been someone where it's like, you know, the world is ending and everything, you know, going bad from here on out. And I think that if you are like that, it's a lot harder to be motivated to like get up and do what you want to do that you're passionate about, you know? Yeah. And it's good to be in reality, of course, and like realize that we're facing a lot of challenges. And, um, but I think that that is what just keeps me like positive and wanting to like have hope in like our community and people out there that are wanting to be part of solutions. Love it. What would you say to someone who sees that you're working in what you love and they are really, they're like yearning for that. They want that for themselves, but they don't know what steps to take. They don't know what to ask themselves. They're kind of in limbo and a little lost. What advice would you give to someone that is, that wants to be working in what they love? I think just take the time to figure out what you're passionate about. And I think that that can take a lot of time, but also to realize that like, that might be something that isn't like super positive or like pleasurable. Like it might not, it could be something that you, that makes you really emotional or makes you sad or, um, you know, like for me, that was seeing like plastic on the beach and seeing that the ocean is facing a lot of challenges. And that didn't make me like, woohoo, like passionate, you know, but it made me like very emotional. And so I like listened to that said, okay, well, then that is where this passion is going to come from. And then you can like go out and create something and bring positivity to the table. But like that passion may be something unexpected, you know, that just really like gives you some sort of reaction, whether that's yeah, positive something's or moved, something's moved. In yes, you. totally. Exactly. So no one's given that answer on the podcast so far. And I, I really like it. So are there any other takeaways that you want to leave the audience with? Anything that you think would help move things in the right direction when it comes to the ocean or anything um, sustainability-wise? Yeah, probably just, uh, we always say that small actions create big impact. And I think just trying to really believe that that's true um, is important. So knowing that whatever you're doing, whether it's you know, yeah, the issue is super overwhelming and can't be solved by like one person, but it matters and it's affecting things that you can't even see. And um, so I think just really trying to like believe that then just sets you on the path of making positive change. I love it. So I always close the podcast with the same question, which is what is your literal active ingredient? Something that you have to eat, consume, do every single day. Um, would love to hear what that is for you. I mean, I'm sure so many people have said this, but coffee is definitely, definitely like, I wish it was something a little more like, you know, different and creative, but it's totally coffee. I mean, yeah, I've gone, I've tried to take the matcha train and the green tea and like, I like that stuff, but nothing beats coffee I've tried it too I did like two weeks with no coffee once and it was the worst two weeks of my life I was talking to my sister about it yesterday I was like that was the dumbest decision I think I've ever made yeah but it's like there's art there's so much happening in the world it's like I'm not gonna try to change my coffee habit right now a hundred percent so where where can everyone find you where can everyone do their their trivia questions and it's just one question a day right one a day takes 30 takes seconds like 30 seconds yep guys it literally takes 30 seconds it is free when you how many how many pieces of plastic do you remove when you do the question one see it okay. doesn't sound like a lot small actions though if you're coming back and you can track your stats 
you sign up for an account and you can track your personal stats, how many just like yourself, what you've helped remove. And I think that that kind of makes it more personable too. Amazing. So where can everyone find you, the website? Do you guys have social? What's what's the deal? So website, freetheocean.com. And then Instagram is at freetheoceanofficial. Amazing. And you, do you have your personal? Yes. And I was taking a break, but I'm now back on personal. <laughs> and um, that is at Mimi, M-I-M-I-E, Oslin. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing. You are incredible. And I think that you're the person I've had on that had identified some semblance of their active ingredient, the the youngest. So it's very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. This was great. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you can take two seconds of your time to rate and review us, it would really mean the world and help us out a ton. If you guys want more inspiration and quotes from the episode, you can check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.